The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely that of the podcast contributor and not that of Shine or Sea Change. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Sea Change Sessions with A Little Gale. My name is Abigail and I'm so thankful if you're tuning in for our last episode of the season and it is a wonderful episode we have coming up today. So it's a little bit of a different format. Um, I'm not talking to two people at once, but I'm talking to two very influential and um, important people, I guess. Um, not that any of my other guests aren't important. <laughs> but uh, today, first of all, you're going to hear an interview with myself and Lord Mayor of Dublin, Hazel Chu. Um, she's absolutely amazing, inspiring. And I will say I'm going to give a trigger warning here because there is mention of suicide and self-harm. Um, so just know that for yourself if, if you're listening to this. She is an amazing advocate for all things mental health and just an amazing inspiration of a woman as well. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then we have um, an interview with Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Kavanagh, another amazing, really, really nice guy. Um, we talked all about kind of mental health stigma in the community in Cork and what he's doing down there and um, really, really enjoyed our conversation so I'm going to just go straight into them now. Um, I hope everyone enjoys and I'll be doing a little outro so you can hear me then. Enjoy. Today I have an amazing guest. I'm kind of a little bit gobsmacked that I'm actually recording <laughs> with this person this morning. We have Lord Mayor Hazel Chu. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning? Hello, uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm as good as it gets these days, but much better than everyone else. So, uh, so thanks for having me on and thanks for all the great work yourself, uh, Barbara, Shauna, everyone in the office. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely delighted. Um, Lord Mayor, I'm going to get right into it. And apart from you do amazing work um but i would really like to to dive into your own mental health journey because as a sea change ambassador our job is to speak about our mental health journey and i find that people relate to your story best when you're telling your own story so i haven't heard many people in your position being so open and, and about such a personal and vulnerable time in their lives and would you mind telling me a little bit more about your experience with mental health uh, this is the thing. I think, Abigail, we, we constantly talk about mental health as if it's something we need to hide, whereas it's something I think we need to be very open about it. And when I was a teenager and had depression, I, I it was the same in my family and a lot of other families. I think it was hidden. It was like my mom didn't want to quite talk about it. My dad definitely didn't. And uh, my friends were quite open to it. I think we, we were at a generation and age where you share with your peers more than you share with adults. So I myself had been uh, through most, uh, I think, the end days of school and towards college, suffered depression, and I um, had also uh, anxiety issues as well. And there, there was a, a element of, I'll be quite open about this and say, I, there was an element of self-harm. And uh, there was that that happened during then my 20s. And it wasn't until, and through through counseling, through uh, talking to the right people, and also having good supports there, it it this haze kind of lifted. But it always like when people kind of go, oh, uh, they're better now, or they uh, they're true at the other end. Sometimes it it it's not quite that. It's just different. So it's funny because I think if you talk to the, uh, a certain kind of 
perhaps generation of people who would uh, not view mental health as an issue, they would think that it is either fixed or it's not. So whereas it sometimes it's just is. So and I don't mean to kind of uh, categorize generation in, in a certain like I know plenty of older and younger and middle aged people altogether that think different things about mental health. So um, when then when I had Alex, which was uh, almost three years ago, before I had her, uh, I went through uh, a really, really bad pregnancy. So I was on a trip every week. Uh, I had something called hyperemesis. There was an issue with the pregnancy. Uh, we were almost uh, on a flight over to UK. And uh, this, this, like the whole thing, I think kind of we managed to reignite certain issues that I had within myself and um and what had happened was one day literally there was actually there was several days where uh I actually kept on thinking doing something awful to myself um in in the house and I, I should probably I, I you probably should start off the session with with warnings trigger warnings for people because I I don't want to rehash anyone's uh thoughts as well when when it comes to this so I for me it was really quite dark those days and it was dark because even after I found out uh, the pregnancy was fine and things were normal it actually got worse it didn't get better I had thought oh it'll get better now because everything is is okay but it actually got um, much worse so so my consultant then sent me to um, uh, the uh, psychiatrist in Hall Street, Dr. Anthony McCarthy, and he is a wonderful man. There needs to be more of him, though, because uh, it was him, and I was on a waiting list, and I was on, and even uh, with, uh, and I wasn't even on a long waiting list because compared to some people that I've heard of having to wait for uh, appointments, I was quite short. Like I was a couple of months, people have been on list for years. So I ended up going into him just before Alex was born. And at that stage, he said, listen, I think you'll need to come back after she was she is born because I think it could, uh, he didn't say it could be worse, but he just said like, listen, let's, let's foreshadow things and say, you, you need to come back. So he was good enough to give me an appointment. So I, again, didn't have to wait like a lot of women having to, because there are some postnatal, uh, postnatal friends of mine that had to wait like months or even by the time they went to got to see someone, they were actually kind of fine. So, um, so they, well, they weren't fine. They weren't holding up as well as they could. So I went to see him after Alex as well. And then I got to see him for a few more sessions and it got to a stage where I, the, everyone kept on telling me it was baby blues as well. And I knew because I'd seen him before and that was more than that. And you go through days where you literally didn't think you were fit to A, be a mother, B, to be a person. I know that sounds a bit like kind of odd, but you, you don't, you kind of, you start to questioning. It's not even self-confidence, it's that worth of whether you are supposed to be there. And this is, this is the scary part of when you start questioning that, you automatically then think, oh, I shouldn't be there. And that is the kind of horrible step that kind of, transitions and it went like that for a good few months and then it got a little better when I started campaigning for repeal it got a bit better because I think there was a purpose so so that made things a bit better and then uh then I was due back at work and I 
I think in my mind, there was a part of me that knew I wasn't ready yet, but at the same time, you need to pay the bills. So, uh, so I was doing that, but then there was a whole issue uh, on the work front as well. And that made things a bit worse again. So, so again, it was dips and troughs, but the ongoing team was that, uh, the support was important. So, and the talking and the making people understand that this is just part of what happens is important. And again, I like to stress that it's not just a pregnancy thing because a lot of people said to me, oh, it's postnatal depression. So obviously it's something that's that just happens postnatal. So like we're, we're gonna be, let's tick that box on that's okay. Whereas it, it shouldn't just be said as, oh, it's postnatal, so it's fine. It's more, it, it's mental health overall. And we should be looking at the broad spectrum of mental health and seeing what we can do to support. So I, I don't really like, I don't, well, it's not even liking. I just don't think it's right that we box things and categorize things for people and saying postnatal. So that's one mm -hmm. box. And uh, yeah, uh, men's health, that's one other box. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, okay. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't curse on this podcast. Mm -hmm. either, sorry. <laughs> You're okay. Don't worry. It's a podcast. We, <laughs> we can be as informal as we like. But thank you so much for sharing that because it's it's a vulnerable time. And for some people, resharing their story can be quite draining. So I really, really appreciate that. But as a, a pregnant woman suffering from depression or, and low mood, and then afterwards, after having um, your child suffering from depression as well, did you kind of feel a sort of self stigma upon yourself or did you suffer from any stigma around other people? Because I know hearing from some people who are pregnant suffering depression they're like why am I depressed you know I'm I'm pregnant this is an amazing part of life you know and it's self-stigma put on themselves or from other people saying you should be thankful that you're going through this amazing time did you experience anything like that yeah a lot of it so it's 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 funny uh you should be is that phrase that I really hate hearing, but it happens so often through everything in life. You should be this, you should be grateful because of this, you should be, and you hear a lot in, in uh, especially in relation to mental health. So it's like uh, you have a job, so you should be, or you have a family, so you obviously should be. And in terms of pregnancy, it's, you have a child coming, so you should be, delighted or when the test came back and it was not what was first reported it was you should be fine now or happy or relieved and I was like this is the thing with with the you should be it doesn't mean that person isn't and it's not that that person isn't grateful for what they have or it's not that that person isn't feeling certain emotions that they should be it's just the bigger side of things the more dominant emotion and the, the dominant issue within them overtakes the you should be part so the 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 kind of horribleness of of depression and the darkness that takes over and it's it's a case that no matter how lucky you are or how fortunate you you've been set up doesn't mean you don't uh, don't have it and that stigma is yeah a lot of it is self-imposed as well like I went through a lot of, oh, I really should be happier or, oh my God, even when I was holding my child and everyone was telling me that, oh, that amazing love will, will come and I said, and I'll be there going, oh my God, I really should be a better mother and I, I, I should love her more. And I felt guilty and horrible and all those feelings and it compounded then to make that, that 
depression worse. So um, like, this is the thing, I'm a brilliant mother. So I, I that's not blowing my own trumpet. Like I'm a massive failure when it comes to a lot of parenting, uh, parenting and parenthood. So uh, I, I almost uh, like literally, especially when she's sick, I, you, you feel like a failure, but I also know enough to know I am a good mother because she is still alive and she is happy. And I know I love her, but that took a long time. And during the early days, when you had literally just been opened up if you're getting a c-section or you've just squeezed a baby through your vagina like you are at the lowest of the low and to have someone then tell you oh you should be so happy or like oh congratulations amazing this you must be delighted you that stigma is then put upon you as well as you put upon yourself that oh you, you obviously is something wrong with you if you don't feel 100% amazing about this my my one takeaway from that period is like expectations of others should never dictate how you feel and it's it's and it's it's commonplace in everything we do we we go by our own expectation but also others and it's that kind of what is expected and what is expected is that you you need to be happy and shiny after giving birth and after um and through a pregnancy there's no like having when people say the pregnancy glow i i sometimes kind of think oh my god have those people actually been pregnant before <laughs> you, you you you're puking your guts up you don't get any sleep and you have literally a a, a small thing growing inside you and there's no glow you if you're lucky you look like maybe half human so uh, if you're not then and and it's that kind of again uh expectation and i think yeah, that's where the stigma also comes from as well. People kind of expect more and then you're stigmatized if you don't live up to that um, expectation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can definitely understand what you're saying there. This whole should be thing is a huge problem and it is a lot of the time self-inflicted. I know myself, I'd be like, okay, just after this week, I should be okay. Or just after this moment, I should be okay. It's always putting timelines on things where really with recovery it's not a linear situation it's sometimes just surviving and being there and, and, and living through your life but speaking of pregnancy uh recently you put out a call to those who were pregnant or given birth during the pandemic for like the feedback and their experiences and did you find there was a big effect on the mental health of these people and their families or their partners Yep, uh, there was a lot of feedback given from partners as well, actually, and from the women themselves and from uh, a post-birth perspective and also right now during pregnancy perspective. And it was heartbreaking. There were a lot of positiveness. There were a lot of people saying, listen, this was my experience and it was good. And I thank the staff. Actually, overall, everyone thanked the staff. They were, they were very kind of positive about what frontline workers were doing. And this is, I guess this is what I was adamant on setting out to all the masters when I met them that uh, like in their eyes they saw as well pregnant women or mothers and families versus their hospital staff it wasn't it was never that it was more they felt for their own mental health sake they needed more and it's very hard when you see the rest of the world kind of having slight better restrictions yeah easier not easier restrictions uh, less restrictions and then the one most important moment in your life you uh, to to people 
they they are not able to have someone support them there. So and that is a huge burden. And this comes back to supports needed in mental health. When people when we talk about sports needed in mental health, it's across the board. It's across the board in terms of having enough counselor services and having enough funding, having enough um, uh, uh, community services. But when it comes to pregnant women, sometimes it's as easy as having someone there to hold your hand and be it that's your partner or your mother or someone supporting to hold your hand, especially when in the early days that something can go on, can go wrong and you need someone to hold your hands. Like reading all those stories it brought back a lot to me of the days where I were one of the first scans I had was whether I would have a ectopic pregnancy, in which case it would have been gone. And Patrick was there. And I, I, I think I held up well because he was there. By the next couple of scans, because I was high risk pregnancy, there was a good few scans within my pregnancy. And by the time I was um uh, there, it was the um, harmony scan to for genetic testing. Again, he was our harmony test. He was there. Like he, I, and by the time I got the results, he was also there, and that was a huge relief and support. And it, it, thinking back at, on it, if I didn't have him, like I, I know people will say, oh, you had the midwives or uh, nurses or consultants. Surely that's enough, or whoever was there in the room. No, those people are there yes to help you but they're not your direct support service and for the women that wrote in that was the common team was that yes absolutely the the friendly faces of a midwife is great but it's hard to feel that heartbreak when you see no heartbeat on the scan alone even if you're calling your spouse from the car park it takes them five minutes ten minutes to get in like on average and that feeling that you have is starting to build and it's there and you need the support and that is why it's so very important that whatever we do when it comes to the rest of the pandemic that we roadmap it out properly for women and for their families when it comes to pregnancy and when it comes to postpartum as well because it's like I know it was the Tonosha that said this is going to be the mental health pandemic next and he's right it is so if you already know it then prepare for it and make sure that then the especially in regards to women make sure that the hospitals are comfortable and have enough staff and resources and space provided to them to provide a better service for women um, and their families. And it's across the board. If you are already calling it out now that it's the, the next phase is the mental health pandemic, then for the love of God, do something about it. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I even saw some people saying to that, well, we've kind of had this for a while, you know, in, in terms of supports and things like that. So I, I appreciate that call being kind of put out there. But in terms of changes, you're saying kind of what you would like to see in, in terms of mental health stigma and kind of that conversation, what would you like to see changed in the next, say, five years in, in terms of conversation, in terms of supports, in terms of initiatives? So first thing first, I would like, so I have quite a few friends who, who have... Um, who, who have different variations of 
um, mental health um, uh, um, issues. Well, I don't like calling it issues, I guess, mental health. Um, uh, difficulties is what we what, use here, difficulties. yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I was gonna say difficulties. And I would like to make sure that they can see someone. That is the first port of call, like from being on the governing authority of UCD to just talking to people. I know that from students to adults, the waiting list is massive. So when it comes to, to um, being able to even talk to someone, I can just ask for help, but it, it's really hard for someone to have to ask in the first place. It's even harder when someone has to ask and then be told, oh, I'm really sorry. We, we can't help you for like six to nine months, come back then. That there needs to be fit for purpose community led um, mental health services. If I was, if it was me, if it was by my, uh, my utopia, I would start from a community level because a lot of what we've seen from the pandemic is that community does work when it works well. So like at the start of this pandemic, when a lot of people bounded together within a community, that worked well. So your support services, when, when I look at the city, I look at what a vision of 15 minute city should be, where everything should be 15 minutes of where you live. So be it your schools, your shops, your um, post offices, your colleges, your work, all within 15 minutes. Within that 15 minutes also should be your mental health services as well. I would like to make sure that when you are within a community, so say for example, uh, I live in Fairhouse, I would want to make sure that part of my community primary care would have the mental health facilities there that would allow me to see someone within, okay, let's not say days or weeks because that may not be the, the realistic, but a month. A month is a realistic time frame to say, well, I would, that that person then gets seen. So, and then the support basis of, well, where do, do, do those people go in terms of after understanding the difficulties? Is it a different service? Is it a continuation? Where is the con con continuity of care is what we also need to fix. So, but it, the other part of stigmatization is that I wanna be able to have a very open discussion with people at any stage, like we're having one now. And this is why I don't shy away from telling people I, I had mental health difficulties because that's what you need to be able to show that no matter at what point you may have it, but that doesn't render that person incapable or that that person isn't, um, that it doesn't render them incapable or in the way I was feeling, worthless. So, and, and this is what we have to sell, start developing, that there is worth in every person. And just because they have those certain difficulties doesn't mean they get put in a box. So it's that boxing thing that I want to make sure we take away uh, when we start trying to not uh, destigmatize people as well. Ultimately, I would like my daughter that if she had any issues in future, be able to come and tell me, hey, mom, I'm not feeling great because blah, and I want to talk about this, or I want to go see someone about this. I think there's a huge education piece as well we need to start rolling out. And I don't mean it from just a college level, like on a university level, we do it quite well. On a secondary school le level, we do some uh, aspects of it, but I mean from primary school level. So from primary school level, 
all the way through how do we talk about mental health and how do we talk about that it's okay to have those difficulties i'm sure parents would go oh my god how dare you open this tin of worms to my child that tin of worms is going to be opened up to your child at some point in life so like prepare them for for when it that will be and make sure that they too are equipped on how to deal with their feelings and and, and any barriers or, or, or difficulties they may have. Exactly. And the thing with mental health is that parents saying, oh, you're opening this tin of worms, like mental health is is all your feelings. You know, it's it's anger, it's happiness, it's, it's on a scale. So I think people need to kind of <laughs> learn to not be so scared of this word mental health because it's everything. Um, but Lauren Mayer, I'd want to thank you so much, first of all, and for all my guests, I'm asking for kind of a message of hope at the end of these episodes, because some of them are, are quite heavy, you know, and some people may be affected by what they're listening to. So I always kind of like to end on an uplifting note. What would you say to those who are struggling right now or are kind of not feeling their best or what message of hope would you give to them? Um, I would say it's okay to be like this. So absolutely, it's, it's take your time and, but the air will come because like it, it, a lot of people say to me, oh, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. And I always go, well, with the pandemic, yeah, it's, you need to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But when it comes to depression, mental health difficulties, it's not quite just the light at the end of the tunnel because it could just be a very long tunnel that has no light, but it's that, feeling of breathlessness you get and the fact that you can't breathe and you're drowning and what I would say is that the air will come you will it it's it's very hard when you're in those moments and I would say to people not even remember what you have but it's more remember who you are and then breathe so and take that one step at a time and whoever you're poking there, tell them I said hi. So, <laughs> hi, whoever it is. Uh, I mean, you, Abigail, not as part of my growth. <laughs> uh, Thank you so no. much. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you might want to get that end bit off. So. <laughs> you're okay, no worries. Thank you so much. It's um, definitely, no, I can definitely understand that where it's like, it's getting that it's the tunnels it's not linear it's 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 up and down and we kind of just have to learn to how to to deal with it best sometimes um but lord mayor hazel chu thank you so much i this has been one of my favorites <laughs> so far um i really really admire you and respect the, the level of vulnerability you've shown to us today and as you said that should just be normal that we, we come out and say look i've got depression i have anxiety and it's it's just a part of my life um it's nothing to be ashamed about and i really really appreciate uh today so thank you so much and i hope that uh you have a good rest of the day and going up and, and giving your daughter lots of cuddles when she needs it most <laughs> i'm hoping i'm hoping she's asleep by this day Gabriel. uh one last thing i will end on is don't let people shame you like i i know it's hard and i know a lot of it is self-shame as well so that applies to to oneself and also others just don't don't let don't let the shame in even though it's difficult so Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, this was Lord Her Mayor Hazel Chu on the Sea Change Sessions with a little Gale. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you all soon.
I am joined with the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Kavanagh. Uh, Joe, Lord Mayor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. How are you doing today? I'm very good, Abigail. Um, we've just got over a very significant flooding episode yesterday. So I was knee deep in flood water this time yesterday in the city centre. Yeah, um, I saw yeah, so. that. How is it now? That's fine. Now. Now. Sun is shining blue eyes. <laughs> It, it goes away as fast as it as it, as it comes, you know, so it's I like know. lots of things, I suppose, but... That's and, Irish weather for you. <laughs> and on top of that, then we have our lockdown as in from midnight tonight, so, you know, when it rains, it pours. Exactly. You've got to keep smiling. Definitely, I love that. Uh, Lord Mayor, I'd love to jump into some of the important work you do on a local level in Cork. I know you're really involved with kind of local initiatives and sometimes as a society we can kind of overlook local work and, but that's really really where the big changes begin could you tell me a little bit more about some of the local mental health initiatives that you've been involved with in Cork? Well I suppose the my primary focus as a public representative would be um, and it's something I, I, I state quite clearly in all my literature and so on is that community comes before politics mm -hmm. really um, because everything in our lives revolves around community. Everything in our lives revolves around the people that we engage with, both socially, mm -hmm. professionally, academically, it doesn't really matter. It's all about dealing with people. And I suppose when we're dealing with people, we'll also be dealing with various issues and trying to balance issues ourselves. And it affects us in many ways, emotionally and so on. I mean, I was dealing with an issue talking to traders around Cork City yesterday morning and they could see their livelihoods being washed away with these floods. Mm -hmm. And you have to deal with the emotional element of that as well, um, coupled with the anger that you're feeling because there are certain people blocking us fixing the problem through mm -hmm. judicial reviews and for their own idealistic uh, opinions. Yet you see these people on the ground in the community who invest their whole lives financially, emotionally, physically, whatever, into building up a business and see it washing away. It's so heartbreaking. And, you mm -hmm. you know, you go through life and you, you see things like, you know, see people involved in sporting organizations, community organizations. And, you know, being in the position that I'm in, I was Deputy Lord Mayor four years ago in 2016, 2017. And somebody asked me at the end of it, what did you enjoy most about the year? Mm -hmm. And most public representatives, well, I for one said, um, what I enjoyed most was engaging with organizations that I otherwise wouldn't have known existed, mm -hmm. who engage so positively with people within the community on a voluntary basis by and large. And such organizations in our local community would be like Shine a Light, yeah. um, Pieta House, and the high esteem that organizations and like Pieta House, for example, and and shine like do the work that they do on the ground is so highly held by local communities all you have to do is when it comes to the annual um walk at half past five in the morning mm -hmm. darkness into light walk all you've got to do is look at the photographs on social media after and all you see is a sea of heads as far as the eye can see walking mm -hmm. that to me is not just a sea of heads that to me is a sea of hope yeah for anybody that's feeling down on themselves and they can see the groundswell of their local communities right across the city 
and right across our country who've literally embraced this initiative. They've embraced hope and they're walking in solidarity with people who may not feel all right yeah. for whatever reason. And I think that in itself, that one event and the many other events that we have in our local community um, plays a huge part in making people feel that they're not alone mm -hmm. and giving them the strength to actually, and the courage to come out and talk and speak to other people. Mm -hmm. Because uh, being a, the ability to talk is a sign of real, genuine strength. And it puts people in, on a pedestal in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. And I love the, the darkness into light uh, walk is amazing. I remember I when I was quite sick and quite down in myself, I remember doing it and seeing all these people walking for the same reason that I was. It's, it's, it is just hope it, and it's amazing. And I, I'd love to kind of jump on the, the, the idea of the tree of hope that you recently planted in Tankfield. It's just such a lovely yes. symbol and an idea. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, uh, our local uh, Peter House and um, my colleague here in Cork, Councillor Henry Kremen, uh, he's a city councillor with me here in City Hall. And Henry is very passionate about this and uh, does a lot of tireless work for Peter House in Cork. And he called me and said, look, we're planting a tree of hope um, uh, up in the tank field, which is quite close to where I live. And, um, you know, it was a lovely, and uh, it's part of Pieta House. So we had a tree, we planted it, we put a plaque beside it, a wooden plaque, a lovely plaque, and with a lovely um, couple of words on it, just, just saying it's what the significance of the tree was. And we planted, we put um, a couple of ribbons on the tree. And this, this one lady actually, which really um, was quite poignant, um, when it was, the ceremony was done and all the, the planting was done and the speaking was done and son came along and said, look, I'd like to put a ribbon on the tree uh, in memory of my son, uh, you know, who, who died of suicide. Now that to me was very poignant because she was actually younger than me. Yeah. Uh, so that really affected me. And, mm -hmm. you know, things like that are, are, are very important. And um, there are things like when I come to the end of my year, there are issues that um, planting a tree of hope, a tree is a, a symbol of hope because it grows. Mm -hmm. And it will be there for many, many years. And it, it, as, as it grows, most importantly, it will get stronger. So that to me gives hope. And this year, when you mentioned the tree of hope, and by the way, we drove past it 10 days after planting it, and it was completely and utterly untouched. Amazing. Sometimes, which is amazing. And it just shows you how highly held the significance of this tree is held in the local community. It's out in the middle of a green area, in a public area. And a lot of times, like these things will be torn up and they'll be whatever. Mm -hmm. But School visits here in Cork is an iconic um, event, and it it's been happening every year since 1920. Former Lord Mayor Terence McSweeney, who was a martyred Lord Mayor, started the process here in Cork, the school visits. And this is the 101st year uh, of school visits, right? And obviously, I can't go physically into every school. There's 119 schools in Cork City. So as part of the process, we have a virtual school Lord Mayor's Day next Friday, where I go on the white boards and I deliver a message, blah, blah, blah. But 
I, we will um, deliver a tree to every one of the 119 schools. Oh, wow. Uh, in the spring. Again, a tree of hope. That's amazing. Uh, uh, a tree, so there'll be 119 trees going out to every school in the city. Obviously, we won't be planting it now because it'll be dead by January because <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong time in terms of planting a tree. Um, it's where I knew something about planting stuff. I don't really. I'm part of a tiny <laughs> towns group and so on, but I do what I'm told. <laughs> but we're planting a tree every one of the 119 schools, um, Abigail. And uh, so, and we put a little plaque beside it as well. This is a tree of hope for all the students. Hope you'll all grow and flourish and blossom into strong, happy people into the future. And That's, it's such a beautiful symbol. I've just, I really, really love that. And seeing something that you can, that physically grows and seeing that physical growth yeah. when sometimes it's hard to see that within yourself, when you're looking at something else grow, I, I, I just think it's amazing. Um, amazing work on that and um, thank you for sharing that with us because it is such a lovely idea so with the green Good. ribbon as you're saying you're sharing the green ribbons on, on the trees and stuff like that with this campaign we're talking about stigma and in in, in terms of in a, your local work in, in cork and, and being the lord mayor do you think we all share a responsibility in trying to break the stigma Yes, well, look, I don't know, can you see it here, but you can see my green ribbon here. Yeah, on the side, yeah. And a matching green tie, by the way. Excellent. <laughs> Very on brand for us. I know, I know. So branding is a big thing with me. And um, I, ha I have to say that uh, the launch that you did down here um, a few weeks ago uh, was absolutely fantastic. It really was. And I was really taken by the enthusiasm Mm -hmm. um not just locally here but of your your um barbara brennan mm -hmm. um and she exuded so much positivity and uh and particularly the, the photo call actually outside city hall has gained so much traction on the local media the local paper here the echo mm -hmm. um that's Take, they take photographs and you could, you, the photograph could appear and you could have another one of the photographs that was taken reappearing again in a week's time. Jesus, Barbara's been on the Echo here in Cork more often than I've been on it in the last couple of weeks. So it must be that she's very photogenic or something, but you couldn't tell her she was on the Echo again last week. Amazing. Um, holding up the green ribbon. So I was thrilled to see that because I think it's very important that we, we um, I suppose, we showcase the significance and the importance, and we're doing it in Cork on a daily basis. And there's some fantastic organizations here in the city in terms of Pieta House, Shine a Light. Mm -hmm. um, they, they do fantastic work and they're there um, on a daily basis. And there's, there's regular daily interaction and availability of interaction with people that may need to talk to somebody. And there's so many organizations, it, there's so much visibility of the availability of these services um, to, to people that might need uh, right across the whole social spectrum, regardless of demographics or social demographics or age demographics, it doesn't really matter. The availability is there through community centers mm -hmm. and the reach is just has become incredible in recent years. And yeah. that is what I think is important. And like what you guys are doing, I think is the reason why the reach is so incredible because you're profiling the availability of help because 
Years ago, when I was growing up, um, if somebody had a problem with mental health and they were depressed, um, they were very down on themselves, um, he'd be called uh, something like a, a grumpy old shagger or something like that, a grumpy person or something like that. But who knows what's behind the facade? There are reasons for everything. Mm -hmm. Somebody might put forward a very positive, uh, happy facade, but behind it all, who knows? From your neck down, you could have a broken bone, we can fix it. From your neck up, you can have problems, you know, in, in, in the way you think, in your emotional makeup and so on, and how things might affect you. And I'm very mindful of that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we are mindful and we, we, we're constantly asking people how they are. Mm -hmm. And bear in mind that certain issues might affect me, but it might adversely affect somebody else. Exactly. It could, it could be something as simple as the weather. It could be something as simple as going into lockdown. It could be something as simple as, well, not as simple as somebody's business going pear-shaped because of the floods yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that could have a negative, and that could be the trigger that could um, upset somebody and emotionally imbalance them and, and from a negative perspective. Exactly. So, I'm always, I always try to be mindful and I, I try to speak to people uh, with the, um, in the same manner as I would hope that they'd speak to me or anyone that I know, any or family members and so on, because I think everybody deserves the respect of, um, I suppose, being aware of how they feel, being aware of what might affect their emotions. Yeah which I think is very important, you know, and we don't do that enough when we used to before, but now we're starting to do it through organizations such as yourself. And that's why I have to really applaud what you guys do. Well, thank you so much. And, and kind of speaking of the changes that we've seen, do you, have you seen or noticed a change in the attitudes of people in Cork and in, 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 uh, the local community, people wanting to be more involved in this sort of thing or wanting to make a difference? Absolutely. I mean, on a daily basis, Abigail, Mm -hmm. very much on a daily basis every time um as lord mayor i engage with so many different organizations in any one day i can engage with seven or eight different organizations yeah and to, like in the last i came in here in june last year middle of june and i'd say a week hasn't gone by when i haven't engaged in some shape or form with the promotion of uh mental health awareness and it, it's it's, it's awareness from people who don't suffer from mental health. And we all suffer in a little, a little way mental health. I mean, I suffer a bit from mental health from the point of view that um, I suppose sometimes I get a bit annoyed at something. And it's about control, being, being able to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. Well, that's you the know, thing. Like, in my we, opinion, I'm not a professional. We, like, the big thing is, is that we all have mental health. You know, mm. it, it's not any one person who's suffering yeah. from mental health. Mental health can be a scale. Mental health is when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're disappointed, when you're angry. Some people obviously, like myself, I suffer from depression and, and that is a, an illness and a more severe version of a mental health difficulty. But you're mm. right, we all have mental health and we all mm. can relate to this. Yeah. And Laurie Mayer, like for the next few years coming, obviously we've seen a lot of changes in terms of mental health stigma. We've seen the attitudes change. Is there anything you would like to see in the next few years, any local initiatives or any changes that you would really like to see in the next coming years in terms of mental health stigma in the community? 
Um, well, I suppose I would like to see what's being done at the moment um, escalated in our community. Um, organizations such as yourself, because as far as, as, I, as you quite correctly and very well put, um, mental health and physical health, they're just different types of health, but it's all your health. Exactly. I mean, sometimes I fly off the handle and I say something stupid and I say, Jesus, why did I say that? You know, but that's me not controlling my emotions the way I should do. But I've learned to do it. <laughs> As I had to. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's certain times you have to bite your tongue and so on. But and cer certain people go to another end, sometimes they go to the other end of the scale, you suffer from depression. But to answer your question, I suppose, how can we improve in what we're doing? We just got to keep going where we're going. I mean, like sea change and organizations such as that and such as um, Pieta House and Shine a Light and all these organizations are very positively received right across the community. And I think reaching out uh, and networking as, as, as effectively and I think funding from central government is of critical importance as well. And I think it's it's of critical importance that central government uh, funds um, every mental health or sort of uh, organization as such in order to provide a platform uh, in which you can launch yourselves into communities and make the service available to people. So people feel they have a potential home. They've got a platform where they can showcase how they're feeling uh, is it right the way I'm feeling this way? Is it wrong the way I'm feeling? Should I, uh, how can I change the way I'm feeling? Um, this is well named actually, sea change. But, they, they, you know, how can I change the way I'm feeling? How can I, uh, I suppose, if I'm feeling very miserable in myself, how can I uh, control the way I feel? Uh, how can I take control rather than letting my emotions take control of me? Mm -hmm. And I suppose... People like you, who could, who's probably forgotten more about how to do these things than I'll ever know, um, through experience and so on, um, would be very well placed in doing, in sort of uh, delivering these types of services. And I think people like mm -hmm. yourself and Barbara and all the team there, um, the work that you do is admirable. And I really have to take my hat off to you. Um, you're a service that's invaluable in our communities. And I think really um, the government, we, we fund things like hospitals and we fund things like motorways and our infrastructure and we fund things like festivals and so on, but it's all very well. We need to fund every part of our society. And I think um, services such as the mental, uh, people's mental health are of critical importance and central government funding to all services such and particularly services such as your good your good self uh, should be funded and needs to be maintained and needs to be developed so that you can reach into local communities so you'll as i say you make yourselves available to everybody because mm -hmm. when somebody as you well know if somebody has a problem with mental health they need to to, to have something so local and so reachable um, that otherwise they won't uh, go looking for help. Exactly. Well, thank you for, the, for those kind words as well. And I, I really, really do agree that funding is essential. Um, just to finish off, Lord Mayor, um, I'd like to finish off these episodes with all my guests with a message of hope uh, for people out there because hope is is one of the greatest things as we've talked so much about in this episode hope hope is out there so for someone who is struggling right now or someone who's afraid to kind of speak out what message of hope would you have to share for them 
my message of hope to anybody who's not feeling well, uh, and just remember, if you have, if you can find it in yourself to have the courage, and I'm sure everybody knows somebody that they can sit down and talk to. Um, talking is a sign of strength. It's a sign of courage. Mm -hmm. And it's a sign of you taking control of your emotions, not your emotions taking control of you. And more, most importantly, it's a sign of you turning the corner and taking control of, your, of whichever direction your life takes. And engage with people like Abigail and Barbara and an organization like that who are professionally placed to ease um, that process. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This is Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Kavanagh. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. I actually feel very uplifted. I feel like going to plant a tree myself now, even <laughs> though uh, it's probably the wrong time of year. But uh, when spring comes around, I'll definitely be out in the garden now planting some <laughs> many trees of hope. So thank you so, so much for joining us on the Sea Change Sessions. And yeah, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Abigail. Thank you. And keep smiling. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Abigail cheers perfect thanks bye bye so that was our final episode of the season for the sea change sessions with a little gale I really really hope you enjoyed it I certainly have loved this entire experience um you know we had to move the green ribbon month to October this year and we kind of had some setbacks with the launch and things like that but I really think that everything happens for a reason and being able to do this podcast was an amazing outcome from all the kind of negative sides of uh, the pandemic. But um, I'm really, really grateful to the team at Sea Change, um, Barbara and Shauna, especially for their support. Um, and if you don't follow Sea Change, make sure you do. We're on Instagram, our website, seachange.ie, most social platforms, including Twitter as well. Um, and I've just really, really enjoyed it. I think we've had some amazing conversations about why stigma is dangerous, how stigma can impact people, how we can avoid these sort of words and vocabulary that are derogatory towards other people. Um, and I really hope that this podcast will encourage others to start the conversation around mental health. And when we talk about starting the conversation around mental health, it doesn't have to be super serious and saying, how is your mental health? you know, what's your mental health on a scale from one to 10 today? You know, it can just be, how are you? And actually meaning, how are you? And listening. Sometimes all we need is someone to listen. We don't need um, a friend to be our therapist or our parents to be our therapist. Sometimes we just need the acknowledgement that someone's there. Um, so yeah, I really, really hope everyone's enjoyed it. And hopefully we will be back with some more episodes. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not giving anything away. Um, but make sure you follow us on Instagram. And you can follow me on Instagram as well. My name is at a little gale. Um, for those who don't understand that, my name is Abigail, but I'm quite short. So a little gale works just fine. <laughs> um, but for now, guys, thank you all so much for listening. Um, I appreciate the support and love. Be kind to yourselves, look after yourselves, be kind to others and have a great day.